0: Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA, seven ten. I am Dave Denholm. What is going on in Italy? Wow. Oh, boy. We got so much to get to here on Soccer Weekly. And it's just amazing what's going on in Italy and Syria. Ah, well, this time it was in the media. And I'm going to this, butcher this up because... I butcher the uh, Italian language too often frankly. My Italian is not strong but from uh, Corriere dello Sport big newspaper over there there was that, I'm sure you've seen it on there's all the stories been out with Twitter and everything else people just pounding on this newspaper of course. Romello Lukaku plays at Inter Milan, Chris Smalling plays at uh, Roma, they're going to be playing each other on Friday and the headline in the, the Corriere Dello Sport is Black Friday. I mean, come on. Of course, everybody was outraged, and rightfully so. Roma and AC Milan both spoke out against it immediately, and rightfully so. But boy, what is going on in Italy, and Syria? Ah, we remember with Mario Balotelli, had, they've had the issues uh, with racism, and some other players have faced that. And it just brings up to mind... And it's such a—it's not a complicated issue in terms of racism. That's obviously not complicated. But it's, what do the players themselves do about it? Because oftentimes now we're seeing players, you know, finally, you know, in a sense, they're able to feel more comfortable to just stand up to it and just say no more. And that's great. But where do you go? At some point, because initially my thought is, well, the... the Syria, ah and Italy don't deserve those players to play there then, right? Those players shouldn't even go there. But then that's hurting the players on some level. Although, and again, this is not every fan in Italy. Okay, we get it. It's not every fan in Italy. Maybe it's even a small, pro- who knows? Don't know the exact number, but it's enough. One is more than enough. So it's like at some point, what do you do if you're you know a player who's facing this they really don't they don't deserve to have those players in their league but that also hurts the player it limits where they can go apply their trade right and you don't want to give in on that sense so it's just a tough all around it's just such a, a uh, frustrating and you know we've talked about it on this show a lot over the years people who aren't in, into soccer like us, right? They don't quite realize what goes on over in Europe in certain places when it comes to racism and, and, and things. Now it's everywhere, of course. There's racism here. There, we know that. There's there's racism everywhere, and there's racism in all sports and. Every, but man, just so frustrating. Italy, Syria, ah, huh? really? And now an Italian newspaper with this? Wow. It's just, you know, again, well, there's no easy answer for the players either. That's the saddest part. There are other things going on in the soccer, of course, uh, to, you know, certainly less importance. But there were some things going on in MLS. We now know that uh, it looks like, according to WSOC-TV, I believe they were the first ones down there uh, to to declare this or i guess have the story that it looks like charlotte is coming to mls what is that team number one two three four, five, 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 thirty is that 30th team holy cow charlotte will be an mls side according to wsoc tv reading from wsoctv.com earlier today they're coming in as the 30th franchise so and it looks like as we talk, I believe we talked about it on the show. The owner of the uh, you know Carolina Panthers, they want in. So here they come. I wasn't expecting Charlotte to get have a team. If I if you'd asked me that four or five years ago, no way. But again, I was very critical of Arthur Blank and Indiana, Atlanta United getting a, a team. Atlanta getting a club. Yeah, the, how did that work out, Dave? Yeah, pretty good. So I've been wrong before on these fronts. And, you know, maybe the South, we got Nashville coming in. It's starting to turn because everybody for so long just assumed, well, the South, it'll never work for MLS because of college football and, of course, professional football. Never worked down there in the South. Well, not so fast. Because Atlanta worked, and then some. Now, that's not to say Charlotte is automatic, but it be very interesting to see what happens there. I'm, I'm very curious. Again, you got with as with any expansion side, you have to kind of just pump the brakes. Because there are so many different factors when it comes to expansion in MLS. It's not just, are they going to be successful, quote-unquote. Usually when people talk about that, they mean on the pitch. And, of course, that is vitally important. But they have to be successful off the pitch. Financially, they have to be viable for the short and long terms. Now, bottom line is LAFC. We know that's viable. Los Angeles is one of the greatest sports markets, one of the greatest soccer cities, as you heard me say on this show many times, in the world. Of course, LA can have two thriving MLS sides. Thriving, not just succeeding, not... Certainly not just existing, thriving. Of course they can, and they already do. L.A. has two thriving MLS clubs. So there's that factor, of course. But then there's also the FC Cincinnati's. Great in the stands, great from a business perspective. One of the worst teams I've ever laid eyes on in MLS. Probably the worst. Well, there's a couple other candidates. Right? And then so now Nashville has to be uh oh what do we do here? Atlanta United, major success. Massive. Minnesota United, yeah, they're getting it, they're getting it right. It's taking a little while. Certainly on the field is starting to turn around. So it's always that little tenuous balance here. You have to have both or all of it. You can't just have one or the other. If you're not successful off the pitch, your success on will be affected. And if you're not successful on the pitch at all for a long time, vice versa. So you got to have both. And we will see with uh, Charlotte. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know that it's automatic. It's never an automatic with the beautiful game, right? When it comes to the United States. We we don't know. I'm very intrigued though. I got to admit. Very intrigued by that. And uh, also news out of the uh, premiership. Marco Silva gone from Everton. They got trounced. Trounced by Liverpool. They're arch rivals. Right over in the, in the city. Battle for the city. Everton now. In, <laughs> Whew, after that loss. 18th. They're in a relegation spot which i did not see coming to be fair not a long way to go but still so he's out and that's no surprise at all they have not done well under marco silva he is, he's not a bad manager but he's gone from everton speaking of which we'll find out more from uh, liverpool about liverpool with jonathan higgins he's coming up next a journalist over in europe who covers the reds and certainly we'll talk about that so much more still to get to This show is going to be a good one. Keep it right here. I'm Dave Denholm. This is Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly rolls on here on ESPN LA 710. If you miss any portion of the show, as always, you can podcast it or you tell your friends. Look, here's my my line on that. If you love the show, tell your friends to podcast it. If you hate the show, tell your enemies to podcast it and get back at them. That's fine. Well, somebody who no one hates here on uh, Soccer Weekly. He has been a guest before, and we love him. We're glad to have him back. He is over in uh, the, uh, in Europe, over uh, covering Liverpool, among others. He's a journalist who is all over the place, it seems. He is a busy man, and we appreciate his time. It's uh, Jonathan Higgins. Jonathan, welcome back to the show.
1: My pleasure. Hello to everybody.
0: Jonathan, you cover Liverpool. You know what's going on with the Reds and what is going on. Jonathan is uh, one of the best Premier League seasons. Obviously, we've seen it in a while. There's been a few really great champions of late, and I got a feeling Liverpool is marching toward that. 14 wins and a draw from their first 15. They crushed Everton, obviously the local rival there in the Derby, and essentially leading to the firing of uh, Marco Silva, Silva, the manager of Everton. Everything is going up, uh, turning up red right now, isn't it? It very much is the red machine at the <laughs> moment, and it's, it's it's
1: ironic. Though I will argue that the team itself, while results results wise, it's absolutely out of this world. It's literally, last night was a record breaking. A victory for for the club is the first time that the a Liverpool team has ever won thirty two league games in a row. Jurgen Klopp is now the the fastest Liverpool manager to get a hundred Premier League wins, the second of all of all time. It's just every week it it seems this team writes another record. It, their their run is absolutely incredible, Um it's almost it's absolutely years since Liverpool lost at Anfield as well. It, it really is a fortress. But that being said. Every opposition team has scored at Anfield this season, and yeah. Liverpool were so sl- was so strong defensively last season. And um, things have got creaked a little bit, but you have to be you have like it's almost the perfect start, and you have to be very very confident because not only is it Liverpool's good results, Man City have taken a little, little bit of wobble domestically as well. So all in all, it's it's a pretty picture at the, the time being. But just there's an error caution with every Liverpool fan. We've seen Liverpool teams, you know, good they never seem to do things the easy way we've seen sure. last season in particular it was literally i think a half an inch away from being an unbeating season and with 97 points and still didn't win the league so you know there's always a, an element of caution and whatnot but they they're in a great position and Jurgen Klopp has he has brought a machine to the team his team he's brought a mentality a never say die attitude and even last night we saw the team five changes, and you add in Allison wasn't available, Fabino wasn't available, and they still absolutely crushed Everton and and blew them apart. So yeah, exciting times, but really, really busy month ahead, and that's going to tell a lot where Liverpool to finish up this season, I believe.
0: We are talking with Jonathan Higgins. He is a sports broadcaster who uh, covers Liverpool, knows the Reds, and certainly we enjoy talking to him. Jonathan, you're at uh, Twitter. At Jay Higgins three, and I think you and I went back and forth just briefly about that earlier in the season. It's good. It's good that you brought that up because I don't think, frankly, I don't think there's a great team around the world in world football this year. Ironically, I think there's some very good ones. Liverpool is right up there as the defending European champ, and now, as you said, really doing well in the uh, Premiership. But I, I, I think that's actually good for both the Prem and world football. There is no real dominant force at least to my eyes, yet. Is that a good thing for the Premiership? We see Leicester City now in second, although they are a distance from Liverpool. Is it better to have a little bit more of that competitive balance?
1: Yeah, well, I think TV money primarily, is, without getting too deep in it, has distorted and has a power shift just for all your listeners they might be aware that the TV companies pay a colossal amount of money for TV rights of, of the Premier League and as a result the knock-on effect is that pretty much every Premier League team has an absolutely bucket load of money to
0: yeah.
1: spend and it's a, the percentages are so much higher from the rest of Europe so as always is inevitable after that the best, a lot of the best players are now drawn to play to play in England and as definitely we've seen a shift you go back a couple of years ago it was the Spanish teams that were absolutely dominating Europe Um it, I think the part, you know, Barcelona have taken a little bit of wobble. They're, they're still, you know, still a little bit iffy. We all know what happened that, that crazy night in the Champions League, and then <laughs> the season before against Roma as well, where they flopped. So they're no no longer their their powerful machine. Best Real Madrid, they're a bit of a strange situation as well. <clears throat> excuse me, they're in a the rebuilding mode. It seems for quite a while. Even a go Madrid have have come struggled away. Juventus, <clears throat> excuse me the little chuffle with the, the, the cold Irish weather here. <laughs> and Juventus, Juventus as well, despite finding Ronaldo, are a little bit away while they're, they're willing a lot domestically. They haven't been able to make the push on in Champions League. And you saw that it was reflected with Two teams in the two English teams in the in the Champions League final last year. So as a result, Liverpool will be on top of that pile and inevitably leads them to the discussion of being one of the the, the teams. You know they're doing so yeah. well. They were so well represented in the Ballon d'Or awards, the recent World World awards as well. I think they seven players nominated. So as a result, and Jurgen Klopp's probably well, you're you're dead right in saying that no team is. Even Man City, you have to class them as well. We're seeing flashes of them. We saw flashes of them last, last night or two nights ago as well where they're playing scintillating football, but the. They're so creaky and dodgy at the back as well. And it is right. I think, I think football is in a weird place at the moment. There's a kind of a dr- transition slash power change. And I think Liverpool are, are will be looking to try and make the most of that. I think, obviously, the the aim is after not winning the league for, for almost 30 years now, the aim is to do that. I think Europe, is the Champions League, is wide open as well, as you said. So it is it is a strange time at the moment in football
0: terms. Yeah, it is very interesting, no doubt. Interesting times at Liverpool. One of the most interesting clubs in the world. That's been the case for a long time, but you hear Jonathan talk about history being made under Jurgen Klopp. Boy, I got to tell you, Jonathan, I, I don't know. Look, I don't know that he's the best manager in the world, but I don't know that there's anybody better. If that makes sense,
1: he, there definitely isn't a better manager for Liverpool at this moment of time. Yeah. What he has done with that squad. Um, is absolutely remarkable, and you 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 have to sometimes take a moment and stop and just appreciate just how good this team is and the results that they're going out. and I really hope, even as a leaving my huge Liverpool uh, uh, bias to one side, this this team deserves to win a lot more just for the the level of consistent results they have they've been delivered and you know Klopp yes he has spent big monies to Van Dyke at 75 million comes around but you look at that as well on the other side of it he has taken players he's made them better you take the two full backs who for me are the best two full backs in world football at the moment and one was 8 million Andy Robinson signed from a relegated team and Trent Alexander arnold came up through the academy so 8 million for, for is an absolute snip in the bargain time when you see some of the crazy crazy prices been spent on you know bang average players, so he's he's done things the the right way. He gets the club, he gets the spirit, he gets the city. Um, he's he's emotional. He's a kind of a lovable guy. He's a bit crazy on the sidelines. You know, you could almost have a camera just just on him during match days. Um, so yeah, no, he's definitely he's like definitely the, the perfect fit for Liverpool. Like you look at other managers, Pep Guardiola is obviously in in that conversation as well. I think there's probably struggling a little bit he kind of goes almost in the Jose Mourinho kind of cycles where he kind of gets a little bit bored and things seem to fall apart after a couple of years and they haven't really invested well in their defence and that's going to cost them but for me um, I'm I'm biased but definitely I'll rephrase it politically correct he's the best manager for Liverpool
0: We are talking with Jonathan Higgins you can check him out on Twitter at jhiggins3 Jonathan final question I'm super excited it is a competition I love the FIFA Club World Cup is coming up And uh, three of the best teams in the world will be there. Monterrey of Mexico, Flamengo, the uh, champions of South America, and, of course, Liverpool. And it looks like Jurgen Klopp uh, sending a pretty strong team to this competition coming up.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. We, We touched on briefly... Uh, A little couple of months ago, on Liverpool's you know magnificent history. Mm -hmm. But despite that magnificent magnificent history, Liverpool have never won the World Club. They've they've lost it a couple of occasions, Uh, most the last one in after the 2005 victory, and it it left a bitter taste. And Liverpool there was a couple of refereeing decisions that kind of were went badly badly astray and didn't get the rub of the green with officials that night. But make no mistake. Liverpool want to win this because it's, 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 it's twofold really. One, it, it's another statement. It's another trophy. I've, I've spoken about this team needing to win more, to achieve more, to get more silverware to show, to re- reflect just how good they've played. Also commercially as well. Liverpool have made big strides commercially the last while playing catch up to a lot of the other teams. But mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys are aware that they're going to be sponsored by Nike next season as well. So that opens a different umbrella commercially and it's a, been, being able to put world champions and from a little kid point of view to see the gold little badge on the, on the side of the arm with the, with the world club uh, champions on it it, it, will be, it will be a great thing um, they are going quite strong it's, it's kind of a, a crazy cycle of events as in 24 hours before the semi-final Liverpool have a quarter-final of, of the domestic league cup against Asta Villa yeah. uh, they kind of made a compromise where the the kids are going to play in that game, and he's put put that trophy to one side. So that shows a statement of intent, just how much they're going for, and uh, fingers crossed we'll get that gold badge.
0: Always a good time talking with Jonathan Higgins, and it goes so fast every time here on Soccer Weekly. Jonathan, always a pleasure, buddy. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you so much. You bet. Check him out on Twitter, at jhiggins3, sports broadcaster and journalist. He covers Liverpool, among others, over there in Europe, and we appreciate him here on Soccer Weekly. Still to come, we got a lot more to get to, including black and gold breakdown, that and so much more. I am Dave Denholm. This is Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. Thanks once again to uh, Jonathan Higgins. Came on to talk a little Liverpool, a little European football. We really appreciate that. I am excited for the Club World Cup coming up later in December, by the way. Love that competition I don't care what anyone tells me. The games, you ever watch Real Madrid go to that and tell me they don't matter? Real Madrid would play in their guts out at the Club World Cup. I've seen them over the years. That was obviously back with Ronaldo. Most of the They played their guts out to try to win that thing, and I cannot wait. Should be a good one with Liverpool, Flamengo, and of course Monterey representing CONCACAF and the winning the Champions League. Hopefully that'll be LAFC after they win here in 2020. Speaking of which, time now for the Black and Gold Breakdown. One, two, three, breakdown! It's the Black and Gold Breakdown. Breakdown. Break it down like this, right now. And I didn't want to mention the CONCACAF Champions League because that is where LAFC will begin their 2020 season, the CONCACAF Champions League kicks off earlier in february we now know a lot of what's going on to start mls's campaign right and among that is the first game at the bank for mls play in 2020 the Supporters shield winners will take on newbies Inter miami cf baby that has been announced february 29th it's a sunday opener For LAFC, and it's a Sunday afternoon game, which I kind of dig. And it'll be against David Beckham's new side. Still putting things together, our Inter Miami. They don't even have a head coach. Don't even have a manager announced, but they do have some young, really good signings. Especially a couple of kids from Argentina. Then they got Christian McCoon. They've got some young talent, and of course, it'll be the return in all likelihood, to the bank, of Lee Wynn, who was just taken to the expansion draft by uh, Miami. So very, very interesting stuff. So I'm excited about that. And I'm I'm really pumped for for the start of, obviously, the MLS season. But it does, it coincides with what's going on in the Champions League. As LAFC will already have two games under their belt regardless. Let's hope it's a precursor to moving on to the next round, obviously. But the Champions League gets going in mid-February. MLS also announced that the the teams that are in the Champions League get to start their training camps a little early, which is no surprise. They start about a week earlier than all the other non concacaf Champions League teams. So it'll be very early January where Bob Bradley and his staff start getting the troops back together. (laughs) Right? So I cannot wait. It's going to be... Look, it's a long off season just because we love you know, the beautiful game. You want to get back to it right away, but it's really not that long of an off season. It's going to be here before you know it. They're going to start kicking the ball, then they're going to start kicking the ball in anger even quicker than usual. Mid-February for LAFC in the Champions League. Now, it, again, I'm pretty sure the, the draw for the CONCACAF Champions League, by the way, is Monday. And I believe, because of the way the pots are, you know, LAFC's in pot one with, four, you know, teams from Mexico and the rest of MLS and all, I believe they will have that second leg at home. I'm pretty sure that's how it goes. Don't quote me on that. I haven't been able to get complete confirmation on that, but I'm pretty sure that's how it goes, right? Pot one, they get they go on the road first, which would certainly take them out of the United States and then they'll come back and play the leg two. And those dates have been set, in other words. The leg two, again, late February for the second leg of that. So that, again, that's you could go right back to back at the bank to get things really cooking after LAFC go on the road the week earlier in the Champions League. That's how it looks like it, That's going to be awesome. It does draw to mind what we've been talking about on the show a lot. That's why it's the black and gold breakdown. you got to get off to a good start. Remember, I talked about it before 2019, after a great opening campaign for LAFC as an expansion team. I worried that, you know, you got to get off to a good start again. You don't want to fall, kind of get, you know, lagged behind because it's, you know, new season. You had such a great first. But, boy, was I wrong, huh? No worried, no worry necessary. LAFC came out flying last year and never stopped. En route to the supporter shield. So you do have to do it again. This time with the Champions League teetering on the break because it's just so in your face if you're an MLS side in that competition. We so desperately want to win it, and it's just the first thing you have to do is go with all the pressure on you. And, oh, by the way, we'll just throw in a home game to start MLS's season against Inter Miami FC who or CF rather Club de Football who'll be flying. So it is front foot right from the get-go for LAFC. Well I don't know if Bob Bradley would want it any other way though. As we all know with Bob Bradley, he wants to get right to it I'm sure. I just cannot wait. Cannot wait. And it's going to be so exciting. Now, uh, there are other teams, obviously, all the other teams were announced with their openers. I know this is a black and gold breakdown, but it does make some sense. LAFC will not be another team's home opener. That's one thing we do know. As all of the openers were announced for 2020, again, a bigger part, that's a March 1st, not the 29th. The 29th is kickoff on Saturday for all uh, all MLS teams that gets starting on that Saturday. There's a lot of games on Sunday then, the first weekend. But not everybody has a home game, obviously, that first weekend. And then on March 7th, that's where the Galaxy get their first home game, the next week. That's week two of the MLS season, essentially. They'll host Vancouver at Dignity Health Sports Park. And then you've got teams like NYCFC, Inter-Miami CF, we know will be taking on the Galaxy on March 14th. FC Cincinnati, Philadelphia Union, they all have their homeowners on that 14th. Sunday, the 15th, Minnesota United finally gets their opener. And the last home opener is Saturday, March 21st. Chicago Fire FC will host Atlanta United at Soldier Field. With all that change. So we all know where everybody's going for their first, you know, with the home openers. Oh, man. Can't wait. Can't wait for the schedule to come out. I'm just so fired up when it comes to this 2020 season. Not the least of which is because of the CONCACAF Champions League just, again, Right there in our face. You got any concerns about that? Hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. Your thoughts on that? Happy to continue the conversation after the show, as we always do. Still got to get to the MLS, another list that comes out. This one I really like, over at MLSSoccer.com. They do a great job anyway. I love who uh, the, uh, the people who put together the stuff over there. I got to admit, I love the extra time. I love their shows. I have Match Day Central. I love it. I got I, I am a, absolutely an ardent viewer slash listener of the content at MLSsoccer.com, and I love this list they came out with. That is coming up next. I am Dave Denholm. You are listening to the home of world football here in Southern California, the home of the black and gold, ESPNLA seven ten. This is Soccer Weekly ESPN LA seven ten. You can podcast the show if you miss anything. Over at iTunes or ESPN Pod Center. Just search Soccer Weekly with Dave Denholm. Hello, I'm Dave. If this is your first time experiencing the show, welcome! You can hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. You got any thoughts? Whatever, it's cool. We can get the conversation going after the show. As we continue it on each and every week here on Soccer Weekly. We're also the home of LAFC. And we now know the home opener for the black and gold. March 1st, a Sunday against Inter-Miami CF. And I love... Of course, we love Pablo Alcina, right? I was uh, on Twitter earlier. Pablo does uh, the pregame show here on ESPN LA for uh, LAFC with us. And Mario, I don't know if you saw it, but Pablo was like, "Oh man, MLS really testing my, you know, fandom essentially." Because obviously, Pablo, if you if you know Pablo and you know him for more than three minutes, you know he's from Miami. He's Miami all day. Bienvenido a Miami, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's Miami all the way. Yeah. So, yeah, it's his three-minute story. My my old uh, – an old buddy of mine in radio used to say, everybody has a five-minute story, which means <laughs> everybody has something that within the first five minutes of you meeting them, they'll tell you whether you want to know it or not, right? Everybody. And Pablo's is that he's from Miami. So he's got a little bit of a dilemma on his hands, Mario, right from the jump. Hey, and Pablo, there's no 50-50 in sports either. <laughs> you can't
2: split your jersey in
0: half. Oh, there's I don't want to see that, that garbage. no. Ugh. As as beautiful as the LAFC and Inter-Miami uh, kits are, Mario, I think it'll look pretty garbage together, right? Unacceptable. Yeah, can't have it. And it's not even what it would look like. We just can't do it. So, yeah, that that's going on. And uh, LA Galaxy will have their opener the next weekend, home opener against Vancouver Whitecaps. So a great list that comes out every year on MLSsoccer.com. And it's one I love to just look at agree, disagree, whatever, doesn't matter, it's a fun list, is the 22 under 22. And the title kind of gives it away. It's the 22 best players that MLS soccer believes around the league that happen to be under the age of 22. And it's fun. It's always fun to have lists every now and again. So I was perusing through it, expecting pretty good things, as you might imagine, from the locals, Right? No doubt about it. From LAFC and LA Galaxy, you would expect to be uh, well represented, as they have been here in the last year or two. And I was not disappointed. From MLS Soccer Network. We'll start uh, earlier in the list, though. Some of the names you may or may not be familiar with. Some of them you got to be kind of a pretty big MLS fan, to be honest. And that's fine. Colorado gets represented down the list, kind of right at the 22 and the 20 mark with Sam Vines. And at 20, Cole Bassett. I like what Cole Bassett is all about. Christian Paredes at 19 for Portland. Nice young player. Brandon Cervania, who I think really has a good future with the U.S. national team, is at 18. 18, He's 20 with the FC Dallas and the list keeps going. Luis Diaz, a good pickup by Columbus, etc. You start to get up into the early teens, right? You're getting closer and closer. Well, there it is at number 13. The 17-year-old Efraina Alvarez from the LA Galaxy. And this is where I kind of had a, a, a head-scratcher. Of, of, I didn't even go further at the time. I guess you can keep looking up. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't know that there are... Thirteen players in the world under the age of 22 better than Efrain Alvarez. Now I know that's hyperbole. Don't attack me for that at Twitter at Talk Soccer. I'm kind of kidding, kind of. But I don't believe there are 13. I was. I don't think there are 12 others in MLS under the age of 22 that are better. So I have to take a look at the list, right? Because I know how good Efrain Alvarez is. He's dynamic. He is special. Not going to be. He already is. He is multi-talented. So let's take a look at the list, shall we? At number 12, James Sands, mid uh, defender for uh, NYCFC. Their first homegrown signing. Nice player. He's not as good as Efrain Alvarez at soccer. He's good. Christian Casadas, the 19-year-old from uh, New York Red Bulls, comes in at eleven. Very good. I like him a lot. He's not as good as Efraín Alvarez. Number 10, Gianluca Busio from Sporting KC. 17 years old as well. A lot of people looking at him. A lot of uh, big clubs around the world, I believe, looking. He's not as good as Efraín Alvarez. Number 9, Jesus Ferreira, the 18-year-old. If that name sounds familiar, it's because his father... David Ferraro was an MLS MVP back in the day. Well, Jesus signed when he was 15 years old with FC Dallas. He's really good. He's not as good as Efrain Alvarez. Lassi Lappalainen, at the 8th spot. The kid who came over to Montreal. Finish uh, 21-year-old. Very nice player. Cultured left foot. I dig that guy. Might be a little bit more of a uh, finished product right now than Efrain Alvarez, as are some of these players on this list, for sure. Not as good as Efrain Alvarez. Number seven, Brendan Aronson from Philadelphia Union. Oh, I like him too. He's got a little bit of everything. He's got. A, he's very smart, very quick on the ball, a little bit of a flash. You know, he's willing to take chances. Love him. Not as good as Efrain Alvarez. Number six, Valentin Castellanos, the 21 year old from NYCFC. Plays up front, different position. Really good. Yeah, not as good as F. Ryan Alvarez. It's getting closer now, though. See what I'm saying? We're getting up the list. And I still don't believe that there are this many players in MLS that are better than Ephraim. Number five, Reggie Cannon, 21 year old FC Dallas defender. It's such a different, you know, I understand. I kind of said it with James Sands, he's a little younger. I mean, Reggie Cannon is very good. Defender, you can't really compare. It's not really fair with the defenders on this list, I guess. But Efrain Alvarez is a better soccer player. Number four, Brian Rodriguez. Isn't it interesting? I don't know how you could find three players around the world better than Brian Rodriguez at that age. And that, I'm saying, is not hyperbole. The 19-year-old. So skilled. But that's really pretty much where Alvarez's run ends. Paxton Pomichol at number three. Everybody loves him with FC Dallas. I don't know if he's better than Brian Rodriguez and Efrain and, uh, Alvarez. And at number two, Ezekiel Barco from Atlanta United. You're picking nits now on who you like better or not. And Barco's very talented, certainly. The Argentine has really got a good future, no doubt about it. And at number one, the uh, 22, best under 22 in MLS. It is no surprise that he wears the black and gold LAFC's Diego Rossi. And uh, the 21-year-old Uruguayan, yeah, I mean, come on, lit up MLS on any team. Basically, other than three players, we all know who, Carlos Vela, uh, Joseph Martinez... And Zlatan Ibrahimović, I mean, Diego Rossi was just an a absolute dominant offensive force. 16 goals, nearly 10 assists. I mean, come on. Diego Rossi has been special since the first day he kicked a football in training for LAFC. Scoring in the home opener. I beg your pardon, the opener. <laughs> the opener last in 2018 scores in the home opener here in 2019 and just keep scoring the guy is just again if if Carlos Vela doesn't steal all the headlines and rightfully so everybody would just be talking about how unbelievable Diego Rossi is and they still are they're still talking about him because he is that good and it's just so much fun and Wow, LAFC again well represented with the two in the top four. But I don't think Efrain Alvarez is the 13th best in that, you know, under 22. I can't buy that. I know he hasn't broken through in MLS with a lot of minutes yet. So that's fair. I understand why he is where he is on the list. They're just not better than him. That's the good news for LA Galaxy fans. I can't wait to watch him continue to grow in MLS. It's always a fun list, though, isn't it? Because it just goes to show, these guys are all very talented and special. And the league is getting better and younger and better and younger every year. And, you know, I know some people say, well, 22 is not, you know, 21. That's not even young for some. No. For world football, it's not. And it's not really young for MLS. There's a lot of guys. All these guys on the list are either going to make a massive impact or already have. And yes, you'll always have your Zlatan Ibrahimoviches and guys like uh, Medunian for Philadelphia, mid 30s or early to mid 30s, who are, you know, maybe even in Zlatan's case, late 30s, who will have an impact. They're still great players. It doesn't matter what age they are. But man, the league is getting younger and younger and more talented all the time, and it's not a coincidence. That's what I love about this list because it just reminds me of that every year. Good stuff over at MLS Soccer. Dot com Does, again you don't have to agree or disagree with lists it's just fun that's the beauty of them just don't take them personally and have some fun with it that's all hit me up on twitter at talk soccer your thoughts on that i am dave at home still to come stoppage time with the great mario reese that and so much more i am dave at home this is soccer weekly espnla 710 soccer weekly espnla 710 i am dave at hanging out with you here on the home of world football in Southern California, the home of LAFC, ESPN, LA 710. And I want to make note of something. It's amazing how uh, incredible LAFC has been on and off the pitch, right? Couple, first couple of seasons, now we're heading into season three. Well, it's one of the things I do want to remind everybody of. The beauty of the Champions League for so many reasons. Obviously, you're playing the best in CONCACAF. You have a chance to win, potentially. This is the would be the first time an MLS club has won it under the current format. And then you get to go, you know, participate in the Club World Cup against some of the best clubs in the world. you got to do it. Well, another good reason that I'm so pumped up for this and bring in Mario Rees, the producer here, Mario, is that you can, you know, maybe it's a good chance for people to go to the bank for the first time because with the wait list that goes on with season tickets, it is a tough ticket to get to an MLS game at the bank.
2: Yeah, every 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 LAFC game has been sold out since season 1. So yeah. this is your chance to get in there and watch the black and gold do their thing and experience the whole black and gold experience. It's and By the way, not world.
0: A, you don't have a great chance to get tickets because it's probably going to be tough to get them for the Champions League too. Yeah. But it, you know, maybe, you know, it might be a good opportunity to go and that's hey, that's all the better, right? So, I yeah, just wanted to throw that out there, you know. It's like US Open Cup. Now the Champions League, those might be the times. If you're maybe a little bit new to soccer, you, you everybody talks about how great the bank is, which it is. Maybe it's your chance, right, to possibly get in there and uh, and see a game and those things. We'll see. We'll see what happens.
2: And we know Champions Bob League. Bradley; he goes out there to win these tournaments. Oh, yeah. You know, so he's putting out there a strong lineup. So you're oh, seeing gosh. Yes. you're seeing all the best guys on the team. No you know? doubt,
0: that's a great point. These there. guys are playing
2: hard out there to win it.
0: Yeah, great point from Mario. That's why he is the best. That's why he's also the host of Stoppage Time, which comes up right now. What time is it? It's Stoppage Time! Yeah, it's Stoppage Time. It's stoppage Time right now. He is Mario Reyes. Mario, this is Stoppage Time, the best radio segment in all the world. What's going on this week,
2: baby? Oh, man. Dave, this is not really a feel-good story here, but anyways, (laughs) let's get to it. Liga MX side, Veracruz
0: Uh
2: has been disaffiliated from Mexico's First Division. The Mexican Federation announced this on uh, Thursday. and This is is from Tom Marshall here from uh, ESPN FC. The Federation's Assembly had voted in favor of kicking Los Tiburones Rojos out on Wednesday following a financial breakdown
0: at the club oh boy not oh good boy. Dave yeah ESPN's Renee Tovar worked on that as well uh, our good friend Tom Marshall here friend of the show talking about that on, and then uh, go check that out at ESPN.com it is not a good look the bottom line is Veracruz has been a disaster uh, and you know with the with the financial breakdown as you mentioned players allegedly not getting paid for months at a time it's no surprise that Liga Meckis did this, Mario. It, I think it's a good move, but it should have never come to this. They should've, it should have never. It's just, it's a very bad look for what a, a league that I love, a league we love here, of course, on Soccer Weekly. It's a, a league we love here in L.A., right? So many fans of Liga Meckis and all the different teams, well represented around this great city, and it's just a shame. I've got to be honest with you, I don't. I'm not going to lie, I didn't really see a lot of Veracruz kits around L.A. <laughs> that doesn't mean there aren't not there are not fans of the Red Sharks here in this fair city. But oh boy, it, it, you know, and again, not the fans' fault. I'm not even you know I'm not even trying to pick on them, but they will not they won't have relegation according to Marshall's article on ESPN FC. They won't have it again. Uh, I guess they're going to start relegating after the 2021 season, so they won't have it at the conclusion in May for the Clausura. So yeah, it's just a mess, Mario. This is just not a good look from a great league. I don't
2: Dave, I don't, not only did these players complain for lo- for not getting paid for yeah. the six months, but they went a forty one game winless streak. Oh gosh.
0: Forty one games without winning a game. Oh, I mean, that's unacceptable. Think about that. You know, like when you think about it that's over a season, Is you know, this is not the NBA where the, where it's a half a season or it's not Major League Baseball where it's a quarter of a season. I mean, that's unthinkable to go that long in those leagues even. But to do that in football, wow. I mean, I know you can get some ties, throw, you know, some draws every now and again. But to go over a season, over a calendar year, oh, that is just, it's a bloodbath. I mean, it's a, you know, obviously poor results on the pitch, but more importantly, again, this is just a horrific look. Let's hope just something like this never happens again. Now, remember, they were at 19 clubs with Veracruz, so they'll go back to the more standard 18 clubs for the Clausura coming up. Let's just hope this is the last we have to hear about these kind of stories when it comes to Liga MX. It's just nobody nobody benefits at all from something like that. Thanks so much, Mario Reese. Great Thank show you, as always, buddy. If you want to check us out, go to Soccer. You can continue the conversation there. Don't forget... If you missed any part of the show, including uh, Jonathan Higgins, uh, the interview with him, you can go back and podcast the show. I am Dave Dunholm. This is Soccer Weekly on the home of world football in Southern California, ESPNLA 710.